What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today, we're going to be talking about Major League Soccer. Now, this is part of a series that you guys are familiar with called Grow or Slow, a peek into the future of the most popular U.S. sports leagues. Each week, we've been digging into the business behind a major U.S. sports league. We've already done the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Today, we're going to be doing MLS. The goal is simple. I want to break down where each league stands today while discussing potential opportunities or problems they may face into the future. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, but before we get into it, let's quickly hear from today's sponsors. All right, so last Friday, I'm sure some of you saw that Inter-Miami of Major League Soccer traveled to El Salvador. The team met with the country's president, Nayib Bukele, They signed autographs, they took pictures with fans in the streets, and they finished the trip by playing a preseason friendly against the El Salvador national team. But then, all of the players in the staff immediately jumped on a plane with no time to waste. The reason why they don't have any time to waste is because Inter-Miami's preseason schedule includes stops in El Salvador, Dallas, Saudi Arabia, Hong Kong, and Japan, and they'll cover more than 23,000 miles in just three weeks. Now, for those of you that don't follow MLS religiously, this is not a normal schedule for an MLS team in the preseason. In fact, it is highly irregular. A typical MLS preseason might consist of a few matches against similarly skilled clubs in the United States. The matches rarely sell out, and they hardly produce any real revenue for the clubs. But most MLS clubs also don't have Lionel Messi. The David Beckham-owned squad knows that they only have a few years with the Argentinian legend. They want to maximize every single second of it. And so far, it's working. Inter-Miami brought in $120 million in revenue during Messi's first season with the club, a 140% increase from the previous year. Messi also helped drive over 110,000 new MLS season pass signups for Apple on the day of his first game. And Inter-Miami says season ticket applications have increased 1,200% for 2024, despite tickets being nearly two times more expensive than they were before Messi's arrival. But the craziest stat of them all might be the valuation at Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami before Messi's arrival was worth somewhere around $575 to $600 million. But now, the club's president and owner, Jorge Mas, says that the club is probably worth north of $1 billion a 66% increase year over year, and obviously a tremendous number for an MLS franchise. Now, this growth didn't come cheap for Inter-Miami and MLS. Lionel Messi's two-and-a-half-year contract reportedly includes four parts. Number one, a $20 million annual payment from Inter-Miami. Number two, a future option to purchase equity in the MLS club. Number three, a share of revenue from new MLS season pass subscribers on Apple TV+. And number four, a profit-sharing agreement with Adidas based on shirt sales of his jersey with Inter-Miami. But still, it's obviously worth it. Lionel Messi made Inter-Miami one of the world's most valuable football clubs overnight. They now boast a higher valuation than Premier League teams like West Ham United, Everton, Newcastle United, and Aston Villa. And if you look at just their social media following, Inter-Miami gained over 15 million social media followers on Instagram alone. That makes them more popular on Instagram than any single NFL, MLB, NHL, or MLS team. They're one of the most popular teams in North America today solely because of Lionel Messi. And it's not just Inter-Miami either. LAFC became the first MLS club to reach a $1 billion valuation last year. 
San Diego FC recently paid a $500 million expansion fee to join the league. MLS signed a 10-year, $2.5 billion broadcast deal, or $250 million annually. That places all local and national broadcast on Apple TV+. MLS saw record attendance in 2023 with 11 million fans attending games, a plus 10% percentage increase from 2022, and an average of 22,000 fans attending each game, a plus 5% increase from the previous year. And MLS clubs now trade at a 10 times revenue multiple compared to the standard six to seven times revenue multiple that we typically see for sports team sales. Now, the reason for all of this growth is actually pretty easy to explain. People ask me about this all the time, about MLS valuations. And I tell them it's a combination of like three to four things that are driving valuations so much higher. Obviously, we know about sports betting. We know about all that stuff. But it's really, really, really simple when you break it down. Number one, MLS is a closed league, unlike European leagues with promotion and relegation. So the owners are not worried about getting kicked out of the league and losing valuable revenue streams. MLS owners also have fixed costs due to the salary cap. So the salary implosions that we've seen across Europe because of Saudi Arabia and other people like that, that doesn't affect the U.S. because they have the salary cap. Now, we'll get to the point of where they aren't able to get some of the best players because of that. But today, they know how much money they're going to spend in a given year, and they're able to forecast gains because of that. None of these teams are going to go out of business like we've seen in other parts of the world. Expansion fees have also inflated revenue numbers over the last decade. Small market teams participate in the upside via lucrative revenue sharing agreements. And everyone, I mean everyone, you've probably heard it, expects that the sport is going to become much more popular in the United States after hosting the 2026 FIFA Men's World Cup in North America. But still, all of that is great. It's tremendous. MLS should be bragging about it. And it's part of the reason why franchise valuations have gone up so much over the last few years. I mean, the league is now doing $1.6 billion in annual revenue. Sponsorship revenue hit an all-time high. They have the new broadcasting deal. Attendance is up huge. The franchises are more valuable than ever before. I mean, we have five franchises now. Two in LA, one in Atlanta, one in New York City, one in DC that are worth over $700 million. And that's without counting Inter-Miami, right? So Inter-Miami next year, depending on kind of what they do from a revenue standpoint, is going to be at the top of that pile too. So we're talking about six franchises, at least two that are going to be worth a billion dollars or more for MLS, which is absolutely tremendous. And I don't think anyone would have seen that coming just a few years ago. But still, MLS needs to be doing more. Lionel Messi is not enough. I mean, he got hurt at the end of last year. And it significantly dulled the shine that he had brought to the league over the last few months. He's also only on a two and a half year deal, and his fan base is eventually going to leave. MLS also currently ranks as the world's 16th strongest league. Now, don't get me wrong. They may never be in the top five with the Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, and League One. But I certainly think that MLS could be in the top 10. Some changes are simple that they need to make. I'm talking about easy things like building more soccer-specific stadiums. I don't want these teams playing in NFL stadiums or MLB stadiums, other places like that. We need soccer-specific venues that the community can rally around, that fit the fan base, that have supporter sections, and all of that. I think that's really important. They also should be shutting down the schedule during international breaks. There's a reason why some of the best players in the world wouldn't be playing in MLS matches because they would have international commitments that go over the MLS schedule. That doesn't happen in other parts of the world. MLS needs to handle that as well, especially as the talent level continues to get better and more of their players are playing on international teams. People want to see the best product. They don't want to see stars sitting out of games because they're on international duty. It happened with Lionel Messi last year and it happens with other players all the time too. More importantly though, MLS must eliminate its archaic roster rules if it wants to build a better product. 
The average fan has no idea how an MLS roster is constructed. I'm not kidding. When I first started watching MLS, it was impossible to figure out how different clubs were signing different people, how they were allowed to do this, where their budget was coming from, how this came out of the salary cap and all this stuff. There's so many different things that go into the construction of an MLS roster. The super draft, designated players, homegrown players, general allocation money, discretionary targeted allocation money. Literally none of it makes sense. And it's all super, super, super confusing. The roster building process has become more complex over time because it was initially designed to protect owners financially. Soccer in the United States at a tier one level had failed multiple times over the last few decades, and MLS was essentially trying to stop that from happening again, so they wanted to ease their way into this. But what's happened over time is now the business is so strong, the owners are wealthy, teams can afford new players, and they've added rules on top of rules on top of rules on top of rules. Now, the first one that came about was a designated player rule. That's how David Beckham ended up signing in LA initially. It's brought other players like Diara Henry, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and others to the United States. It's great. It's awesome. It's been a big driving force to get stars to come play in MLS. But they've continued to add on top of that and on top of that and on top of that. And it's made the structure of the salary cap and the financials of roster construction that much more difficult to follow. And it's hamstringed a lot of the owners who want to spend money. If you think about it, the salary budget today is set at a paltry $6.4 million. There are individual players across Europe that earn more of that by themselves, whereas an entire team in MLS is getting paid that. If you think about the other sports leagues in the United States, the NBA, that's a global game, basketball, baseball, same thing, hockey, same thing, right? All these other countries play these sports. But the reason why the U.S. dominates from a professional standpoint and has the top league and other players come from other countries to play there is because they get paid the most money. That's simply it. It's not that they love America. It's not that they like playing at certain venues or certain areas or whatever it is. They get paid the most money. It's the most lucrative for them in their careers and their families, and they go play there. Now, it's going to take a long time for MLS to get to a point where they can pay some of the salaries that are going across the pond and other places across the world. I totally get that. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. But the idea being that all of the money for a roster is concentrated towards the top two to three players because of the designated player rules doesn't make sense. You need to be able to spread that out if you're an owner or someone constructing the team overall. You want to build a better product by spreading out the money to other players on the roster. And the way that the rules are set up in Major League Soccer today makes that virtually impossible. It's super confusing. The fans don't understand it. And a lot of the owners don't like it too. This is something that needs to change because there are owners in Major League Soccer that actively want to spend more money. They want to pay players more money. They want the salary cap to increase because they have the opportunity to get players from other parts of the world to come and play here or keep existing players here rather than going international if they were able to pay them more money. But that's not how MLS works today, and it's something that I think needs to change. This will all take some time to play out. But while everyone else is complaining that MLS ended up in a closed media ecosystem because they went to Apple TV, I actually think that's going to end up being a really, really, really smart move. If you look at media today, everything is becoming more fragmented. And if you watch the NFL or the NBA or MLB or any of these other leagues, you have to have four to five to six different streaming services to be able to watch your games. In MLS, it's awesome. You just go on Apple TV, everything is right there. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not going to bring new fans in because you have to have a paywall to be able to get behind it and find the games. But if MLS is able to drive value at the local level, build up these fan bases and the teams and all the assets around that, I think that's going to be tremendously valuable to have everything in one place in an increasingly fragmented media landscape. And reimagining the roster building process might be the final step to now getting out of the Premier League and Liga MX's U.S. shadow.
That's it for today, though, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode, learning a little bit more about how MLS is building their business today and what they could potentially do in the future to make it better. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and just share it with a friend. Help me help you by making this podcast bigger and better than ever before. Otherwise, I hope everyone has an incredible week and we'll talk later. 